Hey, this is Christina and Carissa from the Smoky uh, Sonoma County. Uh, we are currently uh, under lots of smoke and there are fires in our mountains. Uh, if you have a chance and like us and would, wouldn't mind uh, helping us out, there is North Bay Fire Relief. Uh, if you can donate to uh, www.redwoodcu.org slash North Bay Fire Relief, it would uh, really help the Smoky Mountains be a little bit better around here. So, thanks. Again, the address is www.redwoodcu.org slash North Bay Fire Relief. If you listen to Cut the Cord, you would have heard us say something very similar when all of the hurricanes hit Texas, and I mentioned that this wasn't going to be the first time that it would be somewhere else. Well, I didn't think that the next place it would be would also be the home for a lot of our nerds here. So if you're hearing this and you, like Christina said, if you do feel that you get any value from this podcast, throw some money at these people. Things are on fire and they need help. None of the none of that will go to us. This is just no. one of the charities that are organizations that are running it that we feel is on the up and up and is doing a good job helping everyone up here with the fires. Yeah, it's 100% of your, of your tax deductible donations go directly to support our, our counties. It's Sonoma, Napa, Mendocino, or Lake County. All right, on with the show. All right. Hello, and welcome to Four Color Nerds Comic Book Reviews. This is episode 92. Holy moly. <laughs> yeah. Is, are we officially two years? Two, yeah. I believe last week was two years, yeah. Yeah, crazy. I'm Christina. I'm joined by some of the other nerds, Carissa. Hello. And Ryan. Hello. Matt is in an alternate medieval dimension, a.k.a. Ren Fair. Huzzah! By another nerdy passion. Uh, I'm, uh, uh, I'm so over Renfair. I fucking hate Renfair. <laughs> I like Renfair. I used to work Renfair, but I don't like the long drive now to get to Renfair. Yeah, I worked it once. <laughs> never again. I don't like dusty flea markets, so <laughs> not, my, not my jam. But you do you. There's verily plenty. <laughs> Huzzah and mead and drink and boobs. <laughs> The weekly barrage of comic and comics-related news can be pretty scary, so we're here to let you know what to check out. We read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them, and anything else that's popped up in the world of comics. There is a chance of spoilers, so if you're worried about them, take a break now and go read the pool list and then come on back. This week, we're reviewing The Falcon, Dark Knight's Metal, Ragman, Rocket, God Complex, The Amazing Spider-Man, and Runaways. News from the bullpen! That's me! My news this week is that Hulu has announced the release date for their upcoming TV show for The Runaways, and the first episode will air November 21st. I still have mixed feelings, not sure how I'm going to feel about Hulu taking on my favorite, one of my favorite comic books of all time, but I'm definitely going to check it out, and you should too. So, November 21st, get to streaming. I'm going to throw out an idea that if people like it, you should comment on or send us a message that you want to see this happen. I'm going to propose a podcast on Infinite Earths where the comic book and TV people handle both this uh, this one together. So I think that would be kind of cool. If you want to see that, you should let us know because it'll be a logistical nightmare. But we can do it if people want it. <laughs> All right. So back to the comic. Every episode, one of us picks their favorite book. And that's our pick of the week. This week, I am that nerd. And my pick goes to Falcom number one. Our companion song is All My Life by Run the Jewels. Run the Jewels is a very political rap group, and they are very intertwined with Marvel. Uh, I feel this kind of... Falcon has a has a hard time with with his life right now, and I feel this kind of fits in pretty well with this. Um, 
They also have really cool merch. They also have really cool merch. I didn't want to throw that in, but yes. They also did, when Black Panther did his series relaunch, they did a song for that trailer, and which was pretty amazing. their song is in the motherfucking Black Panther movie trailer. That's where nice. most people heard it and were like, what the fuck is that? And it's like, yes, you should be fucking listening to this shit. It's amazing. Okay. I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> One half is tag team up. The most clothes are high, we belt. Anybody disagree, they jealous. And anybody don't, just motherfucking yell. Just yell. Fuck the boss, I'm the goddamn owner. And I smell like YSL and Mary Walk. Done drip with paper, my pull slick tape, sex tear. Tell me, fuck you, I told you, you gum, you gum. All right, so Falcon number one, Marvel Comics, Bad Kid, Mad City, written by Rodney Barnes, pencils and ink by Joshua Carsa, colors by Rachel Rosenberg. So as I read this book, I was like, the dialogue in this book is really, really well written. Like, it makes a lot of sense. You can tell these are, they're saying things that their characters would actually say. So I looked up the writer. Rodney Barnes does a really awesome cartoon series called boondock um he's written a lot of other tv shows as well but i as i was reading this i really really enjoyed the dialogue the back and forth sounded really natural which was one of the things it was was one of the reasons why i picked it what what i liked about it is especially for sam he actually reminded me a lot of anthony mackie playing sam the from the first time we thought we we actually saw him he sounds really thoughtful and introspective about himself for this comic book he's now just being the falcon yet he's this is after all of the crap that happened with cap he wants to go off and kind of do good in the world he goes to chicago and he wants to help with the gang wars that are happening there not necessarily with force but he actually wants to you know actually talk to them and and get them to get together and to try to negotiate a treaty with them he talks to the mayor the mayor is like oh yeah we got this you know we don't worry about us we got this but he's gonna go off and and do it anyway we see sean who is his i guess his protege or his padawan he is the patriot and he's a kid. He's like a teenage kid. He's, he actually seems like a pretty awesome, smart kid. He's working the computer and he's, he w- basically he wants to be an Avenger. That's, you know, his yeah. goal. Very Spider-Man-esque. It kind of was. Yeah, I, was he pretty, really reminds me of Spider-Man. Yeah, I like, I thought it was really, he was cool. And hit the. <laughs> I think it was the best part. <laughs> I, I liked him a lot. Uh, I liked the conversation between them where he's, he's talking like, who you know, who are you? He's asking Sam, like, who are you working with? And he's like, oh, I'm working with Jericho Drum. He's like, what? Like, you can see his excitement. He's like, yeah. what? That's Dr. Voodoo. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's so cool. I, I love that. I was like, that's awesome. I was like, you can tell he was like, he really was a kid. Like, he's super excited about that. Like, otherwise, he's not like some stern, like, oh, that's cool, man. He's like, what? Come <laughs> <laughs> what? That was, that was neat. I liked seeing the excitement. But he... Sam is like, you know, you you stay there, you know, we're all, you know, I'm good, we're fine. And I love the fact that he, uh, Sean's like, no, I'm going. So I guess he's still some sort of whatever, what, did they say what kind of plane it was? I don't remember, but he steals this little ship and he, he actually comes and he meets him. Uh, he meets Sam in uh, Chicago. And <laughs> so Falcon explains to him, you know, what's going on and that he is asking Sean now to go talk to the leader of the Spanish Kings and Falcon is going to talk to the leader of the Southside Rangers. And it's kind of funny because Sean is like, I don't, I don't speak good Spanish. 
He's <laughs> like worried about it. He's like, I don't, I don't speak good Spanish. He's like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do this. So Sam goes and talks to the, what is it, the Southside Rangers. And he, you know, he's there to negotiate, but he's also got to kick a little ass and, you know, come in and, and be intimidating and make sure they listen to him. And he explains, you know, what he wants to do. He's like, you know, we, you know, we, we, you need to negotiate. We need to kind of help the city because the city is kind of crumbling under the gangs. Um, so he gets, you know, he earns their respect and then they're like, all right, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do this. And then Sean goes and is immediately like trying to speak Spanish to them. And he's, they're like, no, you can't, (laughs) you can't, you can't do this. Speak, speak English. Your Spanish sucks, which I thought was really kind of cute. And they understand it. I guess he probably maybe understand that he might be a kid. Well, Uh, yeah. I mean, he's obviously his, his, secret uniform is a pair of goggles i mean yeah. it's not <laughs> no, it's not it's not really effective <laughs> even like, clark Kent would look at you and be like come on kid you're like try kid, harder <laughs> kid but you know sean explains to me he's like you know i'm from i'm from brooklyn like i'm from you know i'm from the streets in brooklyn he's Brooklyn. so he's like you know we're we're like the same you know it's yeah, and they, they also do a good job of when they draw him of him physically looking like a child, the same way that they do Miles yeah, a lot when he stands next to the buffed out superheroes. He's kind of yeah, he's kind of he's tall and kind of skinny, kind of not super like scrawny, but he's he's skinny, and the way he kind of walks like a gymnast or swimmer's build. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would say that he so he does he has that look of being a, a kid still. So they both both accomplish you know their goal. They're they're going to get each leader of the gang and the gangs to be there and to, you know, talk about, you know, having a treaty and discussion. Uh, uh, Sam goes back and talks to the mayor and the mayor is like, he's like, he's not happy about it. He's kind of being a super, super dick about it. He cares about constituents. Yeah. He's, he's being a dick. He's not happy. And he's, he says some really, he's the shittiest thing was, that he said was like, maybe Steve Rogers wasn't the only one pretending to be a hero. It was like, wow, you're an asshole. (laughs) He's trying to come there and help clean up the city, you know, and make it better for everybody there. And what a, he's, he's been a dick. (laughs) He is a mega dick. He's a mega dick. Uh, I believe I called him a shit bag. (laughs) When I read this, (laughs) it's like, I'll second that. You're a shit bag. (laughs) After that, it's kind of a, it, it's a nice, it's Sam and Sean, and it's almost kind of like a father and son, like, conversation where they're, like, walking down the street, and Sam is kind of telling, his story is telling the story of his dad, and he, he's, you know, Sam has, has questioned, like, everything that has happened with Steve and Hydra, and he feels, he feels like, he feels alone, he feels like he can't trust anybody anymore, and it was nice to see, like, Sean was like, no, you know, you you're not, you know, I'm here for you. We have other people who are here for you. And the line that was really good from that, it was like, I just don't stand in my drawers, drawers in the parking lot for just anybody, <laughs> which I loved. I love that line. That was something like absolutely a kid would say. And, the, you know, they kind of, they have, the, they have a bonding moment between the two of them, which yeah. I thought was very, very cute. And they go and see some music and stuff. And I was like, that's awesome. So the next day they're you know they're at the podium they're in this park and each of the gangs show up and the other leaders show up and you know he sam calls into the podium and the guy from the the no not the rangers the guy from the kings you know reaches out to shake hands with the guy from the rangers and the guy from the rangers touches sam 
and freaking freezes him. And then all of a sudden, it's like mass fucking chaos as the guy for the Rangers shoots the king, literally like in the head, street style. Yeah. Smiling the whole time. And like the police come reading. It's in. just that was a real good head explodey scene there. Holy shit! And yeah. then there's like blood and like chunks of brain on people. Yeah. like it's pretty graphic. It's for... really graphic. And then it's like it's like all hell breaks loose. Like shit is going fucking down. It's bad. The cops are involved. There's people running away with children. Yeah, it's babies. this is like horrifying. And like you, Sam, Sam goes down like he's just it's just crazy it's all sorts of fucking crazy and then the whole fucking tone changes it's the guy that the head gang member from the rangers just casually walks away and then there's this very ominous dialogue that takes over there's no actually anybody talking but it's just the it's like the talk bubbles black box narration the black boxes and they're just going through and it's like these all these horrible things about like waiting to destroy mankind you know mankind you know, see how, how they will survive, you know, where they all fail. Like I will succeed. And then you see the mayor, the, the head of the Rangers is kneeling down in front of the mayor. And then all of a sudden you see, it's like his, he was wearing a skin suit and this guy, this thing pops out and it's Blackheart. Blackheart. (laughs) So much. (laughs) So that was that. I, I, I'm not a fan of Blackheart either. Yeah, me either. But up until this point, I thought this was an amazing start to a book. I, I, I liked it so, so much. I liked the dialogue so much. I liked the art a lot. That one, the, that shooting page was great. The page where he's going through about, like, you know, my entire life has been idolized walking through an ego-based fantasy. I was like, holy shit, that's some great fucking dialogue on a great fucking panel. So I, I enjoyed this a lot. What did you guys think? <laughs> I, I have stuff to say, but do you want to go first, Carissa? I don't want to step on anything you have to say. I was going to say, I thought it was really well done. I think it was like really powerfully handled. I mean, I, I think like you were saying, it's very natural. Yeah, it really gets to the core of what it's trying to, you know, say. And so I thought it was really well executed and handled. But yeah, fuck Blackheart. <laughs> so I think I have a different opinion of this book than you guys do. So I'll start with the good the bad, and then the good again. So I'll compliment sandwich <laughs> this one. Compliment so, sandwich. <laughs> so, family guy of you. <laughs> uh, so the good stuff, I first of all, I think the art is really good on this. I already talked about the way that characters actually look their age and mm-hmm. they, they physically match. Blackheart looks pretty awesome when he comes in. There's that scene where the guy gets shot and it's shockingly violent for a mainstream Marvel book when it happens. Mm-hmm. So I really like the art in it. This book tries really hard. I will give it that. Like, if I feel like it's reaching for it, but this is where the bad comes in. There are moments in the writing where it's very good, but overall, I think the writing really struggles here. I think it's trying to talk about really serious issues, and this is someone who, the writer, is someone who wants to talk about really serious stuff, but I think they're having trouble with the comic book format with taking something that is very real like shootings in chicago and gang violence that's a real problem that kills people almost every day you know and then you go and you throw in some comic book dialogue to deal with it and end up trying to write it off to blackheart i feel that's maybe a disservice to what's actually happening there but there are moments where the writing is really insightful and sharp when it comes to politics when they're talking about the bands and the news and how the news just wants to sell you blood and death. And mm-hmm. that's not what life is like. 
that's really good. When the mayor tells the Falcon, like you were saying, that he only cares about his constituents, that the Falcon doesn't vote, so he doesn't matter. Right. You know, I think that's a message. You're not a citizen of the city, not a member. Yeah. So there are times when the writing is good. And I really do think this book will get better as the writer learns maybe how to navigate comics a little bit better. Same way I felt about Ta-Nehisi Coates and his writing. I was going to say that. I, I felt that way too. And it was, it, it's, it, it's hard because it would be almost so much better if it wasn't a traditional Marvel comic book. I agree. I think if that had been the case, if this had been like a Marvel, even if it had been a Marvel Max book, or something to that effect. I think the writer is constrained by Marvel. Yes. He's clearly not a bad writer at no, all. And he I, clearly has something he wants to say, but yes. he's got to like comic book it up a little bit. And I think that really hurts. Yeah. I, I would almost like to see that like if it didn't end with Blackheart, if it was just some something else, like, I don't know. It just seems like it's it, they they are having to put this writer in a box which is kind of disappointing because I like his writing. I like his style of writing. I like right. what he's trying to get across. So I don't. Right. I hope that he won't be too constrained, but I feel that it's kind of unfortunate because we've seen it with Black Panther as well. And I don't know anything about this Patriot kid that's in the book, but I would have ra- almost rather read a book from his point of view mm-hmm. where he's looking at the adults, like the Falcon and Captain America and trying to figure it out. I think that character is really interesting. I feel like that's the writer's like true voice in this book yes. where he's free. And when he's free, that book sings. And when he's mm-hmm. constrained, it's not that great. It feels like he had to rush it at the end to figure out what the fuck are we going to do to actually make it seem like a comic book. <laughs> well, or Marvel's is like, well, you can't just have it do that. You need to throw something in yes. there. And so they're like, here, here's a bad guy for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they foreshadowed it throughout the book, uh, like Stuart Eminent did. Yeah. Uh, not Stuart Eminent, um, yeah. Joshua Kassara, you know, foreshadowed it throughout the book with the, like, the tie clips and the markings that people had that were for Blackheart. So, I don't know. It wasn't bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to come down on the book. I just feel almost in a way when you get a work from someone who's, like, a paper, for, when a teacher gets a paper from a student who's really talented, and they're like, oh, you could have done... <laughs> so much better you know i'd like to just remove like the last three pages <laughs> right well just, i mean uh, and it ended at the shooting the part where he's walking away and you get the dialogue yeah uh, blackheart talking that stuff is chilling that, that is was really good. chilling and a very negative view of mankind so i don't know if that was bad i just think they were tr- they're, are they trying to tell a comic book story or are they trying to tell a real life story and i don't think they know yeah i i, I think they're trying to tell a real life story but it's stuck in a comic book format I agree. But I still really liked it because I thought the dialogue was very meaningful, even though it was said in a comic book scene. I am just going to make up my own thing. I'm going to give it uh, four and a quarter. I like this one. Welcome to Chi-Town. I gave it three and three quarters. Mr. Otto, who didn't exist. I will give it three bullets to the brain. Ugh. That's on that note. <laughs> Caritha? Yes. Are we going to seriously talk about man buns, too, by the way? Man buns, yes, well, I guess so. Because it is Runaways, number two, Marvel Comics, Find Your Way Home, part two. Written by Rainbow Rowell, pencils by Chris Anka. I bet that's supposed to be pencils and inks by Chris Anka. Colors by Matthew Wilson. 
This is the issue where Kurt finds out, is caught up, and finds out what's been happening. There is a little part that's a little confusing because you have, like, Gert's last thoughts in that one timeline. And it's as it overlaps her waking up and realizing what's happened. So, like, the part where she's like, oh, good, I have time to tell him I always. And then it still doesn't happen. I thought that was one with- of the strongest points in the book, actually. No, it, no, it. I'm not saying it's not strong, but it was a little confusing and frustrating. <laughs> but we basically Gert flips out, basically because you know they're not together, and she thought they were. And it's really funny. There's this one part where she's like, "I'm not the heart of the group. I'm not all the things that people have always said about the character Gert as fans." <laughs> she sit there denying as herself, which I think is one. It's very Gert. And two, I thought it was this really interesting, but she's not having it. And it's, there's this really crunchy moments. We get filled in about what happened, you know, with them and how it did dissolve because not a lot of that was covered. And if it was, it was in books that people just didn't read. And so a lot of that got lost in the fandom and the shuffle of the comic book world in general. And so I thought that was a kind of a nice thing. And you could tell that between Nico and Chase, it was very crunchy because they'd be like making like, there's these great panels of them going like, eh, well, you, oh, you can't see my face. So that doesn't really help. But <laughs> they're kind of like contorting their face very uncomfortably. Um, but the payday for this issue for me Gert and Old Lace are reunited because they go back to the hostel and it turns out the part of the hostel that was destroyed in the original run was only the guest house and Chase has found the main house and it's like off the grid and hidden and everything like that. But yes, Old Lace and Gert reuniting the hug is the most happy, squee-filled little Oh, the tears. The tears! And the the face where she's like looking at him and then looks up and is like (gasps) Yes. It was great payout for that. Um, and Gert in Gert fashion's like, nope, nope, nope. This is not going to work for me. Let's go get Molly. We have things to go do. <laughs> and because apparently Molly's with her grandmother with all the creepy cats. So those creepy mutant cats are definitely a thing because we saw them in the last issue and in this issue. And then the big reveal that apparently Tony sent Chase uh, Victor's head in a box. That was creepy. Like you do. <laughs> that was pretty creepy. It's not going so, to Paltrow? No, not going to Paltrow. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, oh, wow, Tony, that's because um, Chase has said they sent me his effects because when Gert's yelling, I'm like, what? You you didn't throw him a funeral? What the hell? You know, dark, well, we buried you under the Hollywood sign. She's like, oh, yeah, I'd like that. <laughs> and, but she's like, well, we need to do something. He's like, well, I have his effects, but I didn't have the heart to open it. And then they open it and like the panel of them, the reveal, <laughs> the, just their expressions was, was pretty good. But yeah, basically, this is. Gert saying, nope, I'm not taking no shit. Um, this is not, I won't stand for this. We're going to get the team back together. And her taking back control and putting them in the right headspace again. So, which I think is fitting. And I, I, I kind of like how it's going in that direction. It feels like her. But your thoughts? Go ahead, Christina. I have stuff to say, but I don't want to. You have probably a lot more to say than I have because I, I didn't read the original thing of Runaway, so I that's, that's I, good actually. I wanted to hear from someone who hasn't yeah, read Runaways. I haven't read it. The only thing I know about it is from Carissa. Which <laughs> is probably a lot. <laughs> well, it's that she loves it and old lace and Gert. Like that's all I actually know. I don't I mean, and Nico. I know Nico because of the what was the uh, female a, group a, a force that's that's all that I know. So this is all new to me and I actually I enjoy it. I, I think it's really interesting. I I I see how much Carissa is <laughs> I had, her character. <laughs> I had forgotten how much Carissa is Gert, 
Yeah. Uh, until I read this and I like, I actually put it down and was like, holy shit, that's her avatar. No, it really <laughs> is. It's so funny because even the Hollywood sign and the, the re- response, I was like, I would like that. I could, I was like, I could hear Carissa saying those exact words. Yep. It's like when we read Rat Queens <laughs> and we get to Hannah in Rat Queens. Yeah. I'm like, yep, that's Christina. No, it's, that's totally true. I mean, and, and so I kind of enjoy it for that. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm reading Carissa's adventures. <laughs> with her dinosaur <laughs> and a dude with a man bun which i don't think she'd pick but whatever it's a questionable yeah. choice <laughs> chase did always have the man bun it was a hard time i know it wasn't know. there to tell to him guide to him knock off his <laughs> she definitely would have too she'd be like she would have smacked him upside that head so i really liked this one i think rainbow Rowell. i've never read anything by her before but she's very good at getting to the essence of characters i don't think she's quite as good as oh my god i blanked on the bkb no not brian k vaughn i'm talking specifically about tom Tom king King. and the way he can get to the heart of characters in batman i think she has a similar skill that she only needs a couple pages or panels to either remind you of characters in carissa and i's case And in your case, introduce you to them. And it seems like it works for all of them. Like you feel what you're supposed to feel. Everything feels authentic and and right for it. And it's interesting to have Gert's reaction to everything that's gotten fucked up after the series ended and everybody got split up where she's like, how could this have happened? We were, and this is where I feel like almost like a meta commentary where she's talking about how they were a family and they were kind of on top of their game. Runaways is one of the most popular comics at the time. And it just went so rapidly downhill and fell off the marble map without you know bkv's uh sort of guiding vision there even though he wasn't on it at the very end that was when he left i think that really was the end of the series as far as i'm concerned so i don't know i felt like it was really good and i also think it's interesting that your favorite moment is with old lace and my favorite moment is with molly so i think that there are multiple strong points in this series I love when Molly's outside playing soccer as Princess uh, Power, and you get this thing with her grandmother where you don't actually see her grandma, which makes me think there's something really wrong there. Yeah, (laughs) I agree. So nice foreshadowing and character development, and Molly looks a little bit older, but she still doesn't look that old. Like if she was, how old was she in the original series? Like nine-ish, somewhere in that range? So now she looks like she's about 11, and they say two years has passed, so... I don't I know. Say, I, I was preteen. Yeah, yeah, I could see preteen. Yeah, like an 11 year old. Yeah. 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 So I think they did a really good job with that. And everyone looks how they should look for the most part. Everyone feels and speaks like they should. This doesn't really feel like it missed a beat, but it is picking up after they've missed a beat in a way and commenting on that. So I think this book does a lot of things really well. I like, here's one of the things that not reading the original series, I like that the two characters in the current time period dressed like millennial kids like they look like they are of this time period right and she looks like she's maybe a couple years and gert looks like she's a couple years back like you can kind of tell time has passed yeah i did like that too the um oh my god i blanked on what i was gonna say fuck it just fucked your shit yep (laughs) oh well (laughs) it's fine (laughs) oh i know what i was gonna say I was going to tell Marvel, there's there's that print you talked about where, or that page where, not the print, there's that page where Gert is hugging Old Lace. Marvel, get on that shit, make a poster of it, sell oh. a million of them. Yes, I want it so bad. It yeah. should be a t-shirt, and it should be in the form of like a purple heart. Oh, yeah. that's a good one. <laughs> or a button, like a button would be cute too. 
just something. It's so ador. It's so cute and so sweet, and I I love it so much. And then there's another panel where she's leaning back in the old lace, and he's kind of like oh, wrapped, that's so cute. Her. It's so cute. That's like a, that's how my dogs nuzzle. Rainbow Rowell had me at some interview she had where she's like the only way that she took the deal where she's like Gert is staying fat. Sorry, Marvel, that's it. <laughs> and I'm like, yep, that's the Dog, girl to write yes. this book. <laughs> Yeah, I think, it was, I think it was a real good choice. I think it fits really well. I was worried without Brian K. Vaughn at the head, that voice can be really important to the series. And I think she's a worthy successor here. And I don't say that lightly because he's really great. And this is one of his greatest works. So high praise to her. Yes, it's really hard to win me over, but it, I'm I am very tentatively really liking it. It's hitting the notes that I needed it to hit for me. So I've been very happy. Yep. I'm giving it four and three quarters. Yeah, chases the appendix. <laughs> I like that. I will give it uh, three and three quarters heads and boxes. Cause yeah. <laughs> just, I was like, oh, that's what's in there. <laughs> Victor. Well, you know, the, you know, the whole vision thing. <laughs> yeah, when we read the vision, I mean, he's the one who got killed in that. Uh, I will give it four princess power. Aw. It was nice seeing mom. She's my she's my favorite runaway by far. So I want to know what's going on. With the spooky eyed, pink eyed cat. Yeah, those are creepy. <laughs> we'll find out soon. Yeah. Yep, soon. Yep. So I'm gonna swing us away on a on a web over to another corner of the Marvel universe where we're getting more legacy here. This is kind of the legacy relaunch of the Amazing Spider Man. This is the Amazing Spider Man number seven eighty nine from Marvel Comics. The Fall of Parker, Part 1, Top to Bottom. Written by Dan Slott, pencils by Stuart Eminen, inks by Wade Von Grabadger, and colors by Martia Gracia. So if you're in... making sounds. What's that? <laughs> Sorry, I was making sounds. My eyes started watering talking about Runaway, so I had to wipe my tears away. Aww. <laughs> so if you're in your comic shop and you see Marvel titles and you notice they have some really high numbering on them, that's due to legacy. So you can look at it... Anything that's in, like, above 100 or so even, you know, is going to be the Marvel Legacy relaunch of the series. And that's true with this one. So this is the story of a little-known character named Peter Parker. (laughs) So Peter Parker has been... What's that guy about? What's that? Well, he's a man who has spider powers. (laughs) What way? I just learned a really valuable lesson about power and responsibility. Really? Oh. Does he have? Tell me does more. he have an aunt and uncle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, only half of that is true anymore. <laughs> I feel like this is a, a real winner of a character. I feel like he's really going to take off Marvel. Really good job on this, Peter Parker, dude. So, <laughs> Peter Parker's been through a lot in the last couple years. He switched bodies with Doc Ock. He's founded Parker Industries and become a really terrible imitation of Iron Man, which I hated. After destroying Park Industries in Secret Empire so that Hydra couldn't get a hold of it, he's burned down his fame, his fortune, his goodwill and good name, all to keep it out of the hands of Hydra. So this picks up with Peter back on the very familiar, down-on-his-luck mess of a personal life with Spider-Man. He is super depressed and couch-surfing with his new romantic interest, Mockingbird, which there were some great moments there that I want to get to because I really enjoy their interplay. There was some funny shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Spider-Man's supposed to be funny, right? I had a whole checklist for what <laughs> Spider-Man should be. Funny is on there, and they checked mm-hmm. that box. Uh, the world has turned on him. Like I said, there are mobs chasing him down, cursing both Peter Parker and Spider-Man. 
separately one for Peter Parker for being a total douchebag and Spider-Man being, you know, his tool. So nobody likes them. So you're back setting that back to how it should be. So Peter's having a real hard time with this and Mockingbird kind of wants to knock the couch funk off him and (laughs) takes him out on a patrol. So she like throws his uniform at him and they go out uh, swinging over the night sky and that kind of, they have hijinks, spider hijinks with punching and webbing and, and stuff. So in the end, I think with this Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man is back, and I'm really excited for it. Like I said, when I picked this up, there were certain checkboxes of what Spider-Man needs to be for me. It needs to be funny. We got that. Mm-hmm. He needs to be a down-on-his-luck loser in his personal life. We got that. Yeah. People need to not like Spider-Man, and we got that. There should be kind of acrobatic, funny fighting where he's, you know, quipping and shooting people in the face with his webs. We got that. And there should be like a sense of helping out. I mean, they call him the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man for a reason, right? Like he's not exactly a street level hero, but he should be pretty close to the streets. Like swinging over them is a good metaphor, but he's still pretty low to the ground in terms of that. And there's a scene where he's like defending like a taco truck, basically from an empanada, an empanada truck from, <laughs> from the Griffin. a goofy ass Marvel villain. <laughs> he's kind of cuddly looking though. I have empanadas with him. <laughs> and there's like a moment where like the, the Griffin picks up the empanada truck and is going to slam him with it. And Peter catches it. And they're kind of like, struggling with it and he's like this is this guy's whole life i'm not gonna let you destroy that so i thought that was a good way to kind of drive back the fact that peter is supposed to be helping like the common person and i really feel like they cleared out a lot of bullshit that happened with the character with his whole park industry thing but they haven't ignored that they've used that i thought in a fairly clever way to have him been the cause of his own destruction so like matt has often said it doesn't make any sense that peter parker isn't rich and famous like tony stark is and here he had that but he had to sacrifice it right that with great power comes great responsibility he had to not let that fall into hydra's hands and in doing that he kind of burned his own reputation and bridge so i think they tied everything up in a really nice bow i really liked this the art was fantastic what did you guys think of this one? The panel where he's sitting on the couch wearing the iconic shirt. I oh, yeah. He died. Yeah, yes. That was awesome. Ask me about my feminist agenda. Feminist yes. Agenda. He's yes. sitting on our couch. Damn it. We all found the same part. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that, that one, I was like, because I started reading it and I was like, oh, it's kind of funny. You know, the first page and you get to it in the second page. And I was like, all right, I'm going to give you a shot. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed it from then on. Uh, the empanadas... The quips back and forth were pretty funny. The Griffin, what the fuck? How is this? Is what letter is this on the list of villains? Are we going like why? No, I think it's like a C minus or a D lister. One of the okay. D plus lister, maybe. I love that Bobby clipped the article and stuck it to the fridge and it says ha 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 with the little magnets. Where he picks up the newspaper and there's yeah. like a a thing clipped out of it and his face is missing and he's like oh. Bobby's such a sweetheart. She must have cut this bad article from the bugle out so I wouldn't have to read it. (laughs) Nope. Nope. She didn't want you to miss it, dumbass. (laughs) Yeah. It's like not Peter's bot in the fridge, all the post notes. All Bobby's. Yes. Not Not Peter's. Peter's. Not Peter's. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, she is not uh, letting him. Uh, Slide. Yeah, that's it's, it was pretty fun. Yeah, it was it was fun. I was actually pleasantly surprised because a lot of the last Spider Man stuff, and I love Spider Man. A lot of last Spider Man stuff, I've kind of veered away from. It was really hard. Fifteen goddamn Spider People. Well, yeah, I feel but like the traditional Spider Man. Yeah, the traditional Spider Man. I've been off of the Amazing Spider Man and Peter Parker ever since the Parker Industry stuff happened. I was not thrown off by the whole Doc Ock stuff. I thought that was really good. I just really did not like the corporate's I'm now Tony Stark stuff. But I feel like now we've got both Peter Parker and Miles Morales both as really interesting spider people. Though I, I, I'm surprised at Christina's lack of mentioning that Mockingbird zaps Griffin's balls. <laughs> no, that was fucking hilarious. Uh, and then I like it. She's like, oh, stop your bitching. They're all in one piece. <laughs> you know? yeah. that, uh, no, that my line is coming from that. So <laughs> you better not fucking steal it <laughs> of course <laughs> but i saw that I'm like oh that, that's 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 very christina yeah no that was that was hilarious yeah i like her she's sassy yeah <laughs> she is <laughs> oh that was that was good stuff good stuff good stuff dan slot has been the writer for spider-man for a long time like yes a very long time so i was yes. worried that with this kind of legacy relaunch that he might be not willing to let go of some of the changes that he's made but this really feels like he is totally embracing, you know, the going back to his roots. And I feel like he's had almost like an arc here that he's been the architect of. So I like I really, really enjoyed this. I would give this four and a half. Ask me about my feminist agenda. Damn. <laughs> Fine. I'm going to give it four. Ah, oh, you remembered our theme song. And I'm giving it four. Today's special comes with fried huevos. <laughs> <laughs> I don't the think balls. I mentioned it, but the art in here is really, really good as well. You did. It is It is very good. It is very, it's very clear. I don't know if that's a weird thing to say. It's, I, I liked it a lot. There's a lot of good like shading and lighting in it. I, I enjoyed it. I agree. All right. Class, I, classic and good. I'm going to take us over to the merch table here. We like cool comics related stuff. You guys like cool comics stuff. And so there is something out this week that I think you guys might like. One thing I've found in the last maybe two years or so, when things get really stressful, that adult coloring books are really enjoyable way to create something and also kind of lose yourself in almost like a meditative childlike joy there. So I really like them. And they have them for all different kinds of subjects. They have plenty of comic book ones as well. But this week, Justice League, an adult coloring book, came out. So it's about $15 uh, or so, and I think it'll be well worth your time. You'll get to enjoy coloring. You'll get to color some of your favorite characters. You'll get to try your hand at maybe the creative process, like what it's like when a colorist gets a inked page to work with. So I think if you like comics and you're a little bit creative, or even if you're not... Get this, get some colored pencils, and go to town. I think you'll really like it. Also, it's holiday season coming soon, so Christmas present ideas. Yeah, especially, this is a good one if you know that the, your friend likes comic books, but you don't know exactly what kind of comic books they like. Everyone pretty much likes Batman. Most people like Superman, you know, The Flash. They at least know who they are, so this is a real good sort of like, you like comics, I don't know exactly what kind of comics you like, but you'll like this. And we'll put the link in our show notes for where you could buy it at Amazon if you can't find it at your local comic book shop. Yeah, with the fires, I had a friend just send me three adult coloring books and some coloring things. So because we can't go outside with the air quality, so it's something to pass the time because we've been like climbing the walls, cooped up. And so, yeah, 
They are what you just said. They're very effective, very calming. They give you something to focus on and do. It is a good thing to have laying around the house. Which three did they send you? I have a Tokidoki, Guardians of the Galaxy. Woohoo! I didn't even know they made it, and now I'm stoked. And then the, the one of them was Halloween themed. But I do also have a Buffy one and a Doctor Who Ooh. one. Nice. So now that we're all cleared and centered and calm, let's plunge right into the chaotic nightmare <laughs> that's waiting for us on the other side of DC. Heavy metal. Okay. Uh, Dark Knights. Middle number three, DC Comics, written by Scott Snyder, pencils by Greg Capullo, inks by Jonathan Gapion, colors by FCO Licentia. So I really liked the previous Dark Metal issues. This one to me was painful. Well, for one, Superman. All Superman all the time. So oh, yeah. it opens with, I don't know who the kids are. I don't remember the kids' names. Super it's signs. like super. Super, yeah. It's Damien and uh, playing just awful, awful music. And it was funny because it was like the the parents like sitting there like having to get through their kids' recital, (laughs) 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 saying this is this is this is horrible. But they're like, yeah, kids, you're doing a great job. Well, it's like every kid's music (laughs) recital you have to go to. They're like, oh my god, this sucks. Is it Diana who tells them they're terrible? I can't remember. (laughs) And she's like, they're not my kids. Fuck it. (laughs) Not mine. (laughs) She's being honest. Uh, But they're very cute. You know, they're playing their guitars. They're trying. They're trying. They're trying their best. But yeah, her like great hair. This is painful to watch. I was like, yep. Yep. That's the aunt who's being honest. (laughs) Uh, And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you see like they're, they're looking at Bruce and his chest is like bleeding the Batman. Yeah, he's bleeding. Yeah, he's bat. got a bleeding bat. So this is uh, this is like some weird freaking horror nightmare that goes on and on and on and revisiting over and over again. Where it's like it's Superman like revisiting just horrible things over and over and over again. And he, is he dying and dreaming and dying and dreaming? Yes. Or is it just dreaming? When at it's the end of uh, at the end of number two, he and Wonder Woman got. Uh, trapped by them and they're like stuck in this like nightmare loop it's just over and over and over again like they die like how many did they say like they don't never how many times but it was like months and years hundreds of times they've done this yeah just over and over and over again so they've been just living nightmares over and over and over and over and over and over and over by weird yes batman yes and he delivers a message to Bruce. Delivers a message to Clark through the dream. Yes. Well, and then also there was uh, what is it? The he says in the first part he says Carpe Diem. There's these all these little little puzzles and clues that are coming to Spider Man through like various Spider-Man. things. Like, I have Spider Superman, whatever. Super bro. <laughs> he's not super bro. No, he's not super bro in this one. He's like super dad. <laughs> yeah. So he gets with the flash like freaking grabs him out of this dream nightmare bullshit and takes him to this is we see this trope in every freaking weird comic book it's the bar in like nowhere land it would be the oblivion bar and it's all the superheroes i are was there. so fucking happy to see detective chimp in there <laughs> he's one of my <laughs> favorite characters so that was the funniest part of that. That's why I saw that. I was like, well, you know it's going to be a good bar if there's a monkey in it. <laughs> <laughs> with a Sherlock Holmes hat. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Exactly. And whiskey. I assume whiskey. <laughs> that was my that that was probably the best part of that. But it's all it's all the Justice League superheroes. They're all coming up with a plan about what they're going to do and it's Clark it's what is it that ninth the eighth. the nth metal nth metal i'm like the ninth i want to call it the ninth metal but it's the nth metal he's got the 
weird big plastic. plastic yes, man, yeah. it's got the. They they have all their little things that was there was the plastic the steel hammer and then is also the the arrow is also uh that's one of the he has an arrowhead that's made out of the metal yeah so they have all of those three things so they're making up plans to go and go get they're he's gonna go get bruce they're gonna try to find bruce wayne well that's what the argument's about is whether they stay here and fight in this reality or do they go and and try to find him and see because Superman has all of these things like in his head that are he's it's it was the Carpe Diem it was the the initials right they've worked out this um the Trinity has worked out this yeah sort of code word where they can use each other's initials to mm-hmm. signal that they need help so for Bruce it's C for Clark and D for Diana so Carpe right. Diem that's what makes Superman believe that Bruce he's calling, is calling He's to calling him. for him, yes. yeah. That he's so, able to, like, fight through the dark possession stuff and deliver that one, like, true message. That one clear, you know, clear moment of... Like, lucidity, of that. yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, as they're coming up with their plan and what they're going to do and arguing all the whole time, those, what are the freaking Robin Joker disgusting... Oh, the little vampire robin yes! things that eat. Those things are horrible. They are terrifying. And then um, S&M Batman <laughs> breaks through the supposedly safe place that no one was supposed to know about. So they're on their, they're all on their escape route and they're going to all different places. I, it's funny where that, that panel where, of where all of where they're going, it's those like Robin things saying, you know, they're like, oh, where'd everybody go? They're like, oh, we're so sad. We can't eat you. Well, there's also, <laughs> is this where Deathstroke shows up? Af- yeah. Yes. Yeah. After that. It's that one panel there where they say where they're going, the sands of Bialya or the SpaceX or where they're the Mariana Trench and then the Fortress of Solitude where they're trying to go and find him. And then they, they're using this, I'm just going to call it portal, portal gun is what it looks like to get through to go. They're going to, oh, what was it? Phantom Zone. I was like, I wrote it down. Yeah, they have a, <laughs> that, Dark Knight's Metal gets real complicated in its sort of DC cosmology. Because what they're theorizing is that the Phantom Zone is, like, adjacent to the Dark Multiverse, so they can, like, science wave their hands, do some mojo, (laughs) and that that'll serve as, like, a transport for them. It's like, we're going to take a shot on this because we are out of ideas. It's almost like you, like, have the long explanation, then, like, you turn towards the the camera wink and go, like, comics, am I right? You know? (laughs) You're like, yeah, you got this, right? You're with us. Yeah, we're going to lead you to this. Yeah, we're good. He's asking, so tell me about mermaids. <laughs> yeah, so when Deathstroke shows up, so they had the three people who have the nth metal, and Deathstroke throws his sword through one of the Robins when they're back at the bar and yeah. kills him, and you find out that his sword has nth metal in it, so he's the fourth person that's helping them. Because even villains die when all of reality gets rewritten <laughs> by the pages of Heavy Metal yeah. Magazine. <laughs> Oh God! So they break. They they open the portal. They he's re, isn't it, he's also like revisiting the the carpe diem and all that stuff, and he's going through it. And there's this weird scene where there's a quarter put in a jukebox, and there's like music happening, and it's like the Superman is getting through. And then I saw it, and I was like, oh my God! I was like, I just need Admiral Ackbar just yelling, "It's a trap!" because. <laughs> I said, it was like immediate. It was like, oh yeah, it's a, it's a fucking trap, dude. He even says like, I hope it's not a trap. Yeah. And then like the yeah. next panel is, it's oh, a trap. Oh shit, it's a trap. <laughs> yeah. No shit, Clark. That's why you're not Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah. And so Bruce was like, no, I wasn't, I was trying to warn you. It's like, this was code, but I was trying to fucking warn you, dipshit. Right. Because what he had actually <laughs> said was instead of um, 
CD, the message he had sent was like a DC message. Yeah. But because everything's all warped mm-hmm. and reversed. It was the reverse. Yeah. Yeah, it was the reverse code. It was saying, don't come here. Not come here, you dumb shit. <laughs> so yeah, all ro- what is it? All roads leads to Barbados and fuck this shit into darkness. <laughs> yeah. This was, uh, yeah. I don't know. There was just a lot going on. There's a lot of... There is a lot going as, on. Assum- I guess assumptions you have to make and have to know... I don't know. This this one didn't flow as well for me as the other one. I ones. feel like the pace of number two was so much faster that you were yeah. just like, fuck it, I'm strapped into the rocket sled <laughs> adventure exactly. that we're on. This one is slower, so if you like DC, there's lots of stuff to pick out here, lots of little moments that are really great. But if you're just a casual DC fan, I think you're going to be like, this is weird. Yes, this is weird. <laughs> yeah, it is very weird. There's also little sad moments where, you know... Um... Nightwing saying he lost the tower, uh, the Teen Titans. Oh, yeah. Like, eh, I, I like the editorial <laughs> parts. It seems like they're having a lot of fun in this book. Like, even the editorial when Robin is talking, they have a little panel where they're like, uh, to find out what happened to Jon Snow, Nightwing, find out. Hint, winter came. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, they're enjoying it. I definitely feel like that. Yeah, they're having fun with it. You could definitely tell they're having fun with it. The freaking creepy, creepy creepies are are very good and creepy, which I think that's Scott Snyder loves his creepy yeah, ass shit. This is a waking nightmare of monstrosity and the character designs of the alternate Batmans are fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. I do really feel like this book yeah. suffers from one major drawback, which is not the plot or any of that. It's they don't have licensed songs to play. And this song is so yeah. tied into music. It's like, you guys really should have paid the rights for a song or done what they did in Sex Criminals, where you kind of dance around having the lyrics for it in a creative way. Yeah. So they did it in The Wicked Divine. They actually, I mean, they don't ever call it the song, but they use lyrics. Yeah. So I don't know if they got licensing and like, for that. like, DC, you're but... part of a big-ass conglomerate. I'm sure oh, Warner shit. Brothers has some music that you can grab. I was about to say, Warner Brothers alone yeah, but has a lot exactly. of music. That seems like a bad thing. But there are, there's a couple art moments that I want to point out because they might you might miss them if you're not really paying that much attention. There's when Clark and Diana get grabbed by the Flash... The reason they can come out, that Clark can come out of the vision, is Wonder Woman has wrapped the lasso of truth around his wrist so that he's the lies are broken. Oh, yeah. And they never explicitly mm-hmm. state that, but they've used the lasso of truth that way as it make you tell the truth, but it also kind of like breaks like mind control and ruins illusions. I did and notice. Stuff like I did that. notice yeah, that. I, did. I didn't even. I didn't even realize that was the whole. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. So I liked that a lot. I thought that was a cool little touch. There's also a moment where Superman is barreling through the negative zone. And it's like Superman, Steel, and the Flash almost combined into like one being. Where it's Superman covered in like metal from Steel. And moving as fast as the Flash to like like a bullet through the dimensions. I thought that was pretty cool. There's another scene too where he's trying to figure out where his family is. And... When he realizes where they're at and goes looking for them, there's like a sonic boom as he flies away from them. I thought that was really cool, too. Well, like, well yeah, when Diana also catches them up, saying, sorry, Lois has been taken a yeah. while ago. But the yeah. kids are safe. Poor Lois. She's always fucked in these stories. <laughs> but That poor lady. Yeah, this one was cool, but it is not as fast-paced as the other one, so you get to linger more on the, this doesn't make very much sense to me if I'm not... An absolute DC fanatic. Yes. The heart, I like the hard and fast. 
Give more of the hard and fast. That's what I hear. Yeah. That's what the bathroom yeah, wall says. Dirty. Yeah. <laughs> hard and fast. <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, it was still good. I, it propels the story. I just, it, there were some moments where I was like, eh, I could skip over those couple of pages. I don't <laughs> let's get, get to, let's yeah. get to the good stuff. That's kind of how I felt. Yep. Yeah. This was a lot of setup. Yeah. Uh, I am going to go ahead and give it three and a quarter. Put in a quarter in the jukebox. Um, I gave it three. We heard their DK. <laughs> My rating reflects that I am a big DC fan, so I think I got a lot of stuff out of this. It's not the equal to number two or even number one, both of which I think had both a more of a sense of oh, fun was so good. to them and more fast paced. But I will give this four. All roads lead to darkness. Another sad little tale. No, actually, I would say, but a lot more cut and dry, and not nearly yes. as confusing. <laughs> Rocket number six, Marvel Comics: The Blue River Score, The Mourner, written by Al Ewing, pencils and inks by Adam Gorham, and colors by Michael Garland. Um, we sh- this issue is really fun because it starts off on um oh, half is it. Half world, yes, half world. So we see like walrus, and we see like the Black Bunny Brigade, and like a lot of like old school kind of rocket characters. Those were cute, really fun. Yes, <laughs> but but they were like all in his dream, and it goes back to basically you know because he was shot in the head. And we hear um, while he's doing that, you get the little talk of how Joy Boy that he thinks he really was the devil because while Joy Boy gives you what you deepest desires, it wears off after a while. So we see how the person that got put into jail was killed by the jailers. He turns back to his other body, so they realize it's not Rocket, and you see them covering up their mess. And Rocket eventually turns back into Rocket. And the beaver's like, you know, what the <laughs> flark? But during that time, um, Rocket learns really what this whole heist and this whole problem comes down to is a selfish personal vendetta for Ada because she felt her backwoods family They wouldn't let her go her to Tashi Station to get power converters. <laughs> <laughs> she turned and to the dark side. and evil. Yeah, she did. <laughs> and he's just like really that's it and so he gives her he gives her an- yet another chance and she's like nope you twitch i shoot you so he opens up the case and out come the tech net all miniaturized and um the gate crasher just like basically is a bullet to her head kind of thing and takes out Ada. she fucks her and up. i like how you get when little- she punches <laughs> her between the eyes yeah yeah, yeah. But it's cool you get the little kind of recap of how the heist was done in a couple little panels like you you get a quick synopsis of what each of the technet specialties are and how how they applied to getting them to where rocket was there which was neat but then there's a they add a little heartbreak in because it's not rocket without that where he's finally seen like really appreciating what the gate crasher can do but she it's like tells him, hey, that case wasn't soundproof. I heard what you were saying about Ada. And she's like, you know, so her feelings are really hurt, which I thought that was really interesting. Um, she's like, you made me feel small. And, you know, she's a big woman. And I thought I that thought was, that really was kind of a powerful real. Mm-hmm. That was statement. really strong writing there. That felt real personal. Yeah. And so the tech net just ups and leaves that they let him have the deed, but they take everything else. And he mails off the deed and, you know, Rocket feels, you know, he did what he did was right. The heist is over. Everything is done. But he's back to where he was, alone and sad Did you get bar. the but feeling has... that Rocket was considering mm-hmm. shooting himself in that bar? Yeah, for a little bit. Because it was also the gun that yep. shot him already. So, because he takes that gun. So, it seems like he was really considering it. And it's, it's just, it's just this dial, like, really sad, like, desolate kind of, like, panel. And just, you know, him 
But it, he talks about, because we talked about the beginning where he has a lot of reflection over some of the things that he did in the past, and he gets really sad. And then him now thinking about what he did to the gate crasher also is having him feeling even more down. But Peter shows up, and, you know, Peter doesn't know what happened. He's just kind of catching up on him. He's like, oh, you know, as he always says, like, oh, I got the smell on me, and da da And hey, Groot missed you. And he's just kind of, like, doing the quill thing and he's like oh you're not taking this gun and he's like oh i don't need it and then you get the classic kind he's like what about this photo of you and i love it. he's like learn this damn you're in space learn the language and he's like but then he's like it's not me anyways and it's a picture of him and it's um walrus and um ilia or lilia i can never say her name i don't know the good otter not otta <laughs> and he's like no that was somebody else which is really sad because it's like back when he was happy and his blam murder you days and on half world so i feel you feel really bad for rocket and it's you know it was a great caper it was the whole run is you know a space caper what rocket's really good at but it really ends on a downer and very reflect it, it, like i say like i said it before but it is really a reflective piece I this think. is a detective noir story in space you, with i was raccoons. just going to say that i was going to say this is such a yeah. film noir like that sitting in the bar mm-hmm. at the very end being reflective oh my gosh yeah they do it real it's it's yeah. sad it's contemplative there's interesting schemes and you know cleverness that takes place but at its heart this is really sad it's a sad little raccoon like even the cover yeah. he looks so heartbroken yeah and like the fact that you can make a film noir in space with raccoons work <laughs> yeah. is kudos yeah. to you those are a, those are a bunch of mad lib like, words don't that don't really like, go together very well exactly but, those should never yeah. be yeah those are somebody just was filling in some <laughs> nouns give me a film genre <laughs> give me an animal <laughs> Give me a location. All right. We got film noir, raccoons in space. (laughs) Go. And it does go. It just rockets right out the door. Ha ha. Get it? I don't know if this would have been my pick this week. I think Amazing Spider-Man might have been if I had it, but this would have been neck and neck with it. This was really good. It was really, it was a really good, and it was a good, strong finish to the story arc. Yes. I liked it a lot. Very self-contained story. I really like this mm-hmm. one. If someone likes Rocket and they don't really know that much about like Marvel Comics, like you could give them this when they do it as a trade, and they don't really need to have read anything else for it. Totally yeah. self-contained. Yeah, exactly. I know. I, I'm, I've been quite pleased with this. All right. I gave it four. You made me feel small. I'm going to give it four. Sitting alone in a bar. I will give it four and a half. Blam, murdered you. I was just happy walrus. <laughs> those animals, it was a nice way to break up the darkness of it because those animals are adorable. Yeah, yeah that... <laughs> Otherwise, it's just sad. It's a really, sa- it's a really sad story. So I'm going to take us over to somewhere that's not terribly adorable. I'm going to take us over to Ragman Number One from DC Comics, Chapter One: Return Fire, written by Jay Fox, pencils and inks by Anaki Miranda, and colors by Ava De La Cruz. So Ragman, Ragman is actually a character I really like, but he's a lesser-known DC hero. He has. He's possessed by the powers of these ancient sentient rags that are... It's almost like in... It's like weird mummy... That's what I yeah, thinking. Very much like a mummy, <laughs> venom, Spider-Man kind of thing when he moves around. But it's almost like the ghosts of Christmas past or whatever where they have all the chains that are wrapping them. Because <laughs> yeah. that's literally what his powers do is the yeah. rags attack people who are sinners and it takes their powers and knowledge and gives them to the ragman. And they have to help him, and that's how they earn their, like, being released into the afterlife. Oh, DC. He's so, so crazy. crazy. He's, he's part of a series of 
Jewish superheroes that they created. So this one is kind of a origin story and a reintroduction for the character. We get a group of soldiers who are in, it says they're in Israel, um, but it seems to me like they're maybe in Iraq is where it's supposed to be set um, because they decide to go rob this ancient tomb that has treasure inside of it because they're not getting paid shit and they're greedy. So they go in on a like SEAL Team 6 or almost maybe like an Ocean's 12 like caper type thing where each person has a job that they're supposed to be doing and shit goes bad real fast. They get ambushed by these ancient mystical beings that are either guarding the temple or maybe assaulting it to get the thing for themselves. You're not really sure. All you know is people get shot and things go real bad. And the one survivor does not remember really what happened. Like he's haunted by flashbacks for it, but he can't really remember what happened there that night. Um, he has PTSD and there's some scenes of him in like group therapy where people are, there's one guy who's also in his, you know, soldier like therapy group who also sees these people walking around with these glowing eyes which is visions that he's been having that make him think he might be a little bit crazy. But he's confused by that because how can two people have the same delusion who haven't talked to each other about it? So that's kind of weird. And then you find that he gets drawn into this world of supernatural like mystery and danger. He ends up fighting a demon. His dad's pawn shop gets blown up at the end in a total... Like, if this was a movie, that would be the scene where he, like, drops to the ground and they have the crane shot above him where he's like, no, like, into the heavens with the explosion. So that's pretty much the, the introduction for Ragman. There's weird mystical shit that goes on. There's creepy things in the dark that he's trying to fight down. Almost like, reminds me a little bit of Scanners, maybe, in the way that he can see them and other people can't. So... What do you guys think of it? I've I'm familiar with Ragman, so I think I enjoyed it. Maybe I want to see what people who aren't familiar thought of it. I was not familiar with it at all, but I almost thought this was one of the young animal imprints. Nope, like it was one of the new characters because they have. Yeah, I thought. It was yeah, I had no too. no clue, no clue. It was interesting. It is different. Uh, it's definitely the different. artwork was the artwork was pretty solid. I like the artwork when they showed the, the like the red eyes and stuff like that and how some of the, the panels were kind of almost like fuzzy. Yeah. I thought that yeah. was actually, that was pretty cool. Pretty effective. I I'm kind of just confused by the need for a ragman. I guess. I <laughs> yeah. I yeah. The, I was kind of like, I was like, okay. I was like, ragman. All right. Interesting. Okay. The hero we did ask for. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of <laughs> He's the hero that Gotham kind of shrugged his shoulders at and is like, eh, I guess. All right. <laughs> rag <laughs> can do everything well, a rag it, can do, I guess. <laughs> I, I was like, I was like, that's like one step up from toilet paper, man. Okay, cool. Whatever. Like, where's the raggedy Andy <laughs> jokes in here? I'm expecting. Well, it's even, it was even, I was like, are they, they're really hitting home with the rag man because his dad's shop is uh, rags and tatters. Yep. I was like, yeah. That's classic. That's, yeah. that's canon. And I thought that was pretty funny. And then I also like the, uh, the scene of him in his bedroom was very almost, he looks, it's very like a uh, drive, mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling and drives mm-hmm. with okay. the jacket. Yeah. That's what I was like. I was like, okay, is this intentional? I don't know. I don't know. It, it was interesting. I don't know if this is something I would continue on. I, I, if I had known more about the character previously, maybe this would have been exciting for me. I just was like, okay, cool. I think this I, is, wasn't bad. I think there's a line between okay writing and good writing. And one of the ways you can tell 
is when the character is supposed to be confused. If it's good writing, you as the reader are not confused. And if it's okay writing, as the reader, you are also confused. And I felt if you didn't know Ragman, I think you would be confused by this. It's not bad. If you're willing to put up with some confusion and you want some creepy, mystical shit happening in the DC Universe, this might be for you. But it's not great but i've already had i felt like i got my dose of creepy mystical <laughs> heavy metal shit so it was a little bit much i actually had to go back to see what 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 world i was in i'm like is this a spawn or is yeah it, oh, it's it was con- okay. that's why i was kind of confused i was like i don't know where this fits in the in the regular dc world and that's almost why i thought it was a, a young, young animal book because that's where the weird shit lies. there's an image that's pretty cool where yeah. he's almost like swinging through the city on his rag webs in a way <laughs> yeah that's some of the the artwork I thought yeah. was, and really that's where you can things. really see, in a lot of ways, that how Ragman is an inspiration for Spawn, and that he like, serves like a supernatural force, yes. and there's like the spirits of the damned, and you know this mystical shit that he's involved in. So you can kind of see the evolution of that idea because he's much older than Spawn. Yeah, this is kind of a weird one. If you want some weirdness, check it out. Maybe I do think it is confusingly written though art's pretty spectacular the art, w- the art was good yeah. that that was the one thing i did appreciate yes, most I, I did enjoy the artwork i will give it three i'll give it an extra half because i'm familiar with him I'll, so i'll give it three and a half rags and tatters mm, okay i'll go i was confused by this i mean the artwork is really cool i'm not really sure where its place is but it the artwork really does help win it and i think it, it could appeal to some people so i'm gonna give it two and a half middle of the road they've got my pop uh yeah the artwork was good confusing there's there's some interesting stuff in it the therapy the ther- therapy dialogue was actually with that pretty cool i'm gonna give it two and a half you're not crazy all right for something that is kind of crazy let's head over to image oh <laughs> oh this is painful oh come on oh uh, so i really it, I'm, I'm one of those suckers who was sold on the cover <laughs> oh it looks fantastic it looks fantastic so i, I okay <laughs> so there's like so there's like oh, what are we what are we talking it's like about matrix <laughs> fuck that's true let's start with that shit um god complex number one image comics written by paul jenkins pencils and inks by henry Perseda, colors by jesse cologne so this is this seems derivative of a shit ton of different things i thought for sure this was based on I anime I and i was waiting that. for chris to tell me which one it looks like anime so that's my whole point like that's one of the reasons why i like it, it this looks and reads like it, it does be an anime which is one thing i do like about it <laughs> which i knew you i didn't, I like I didn't mind it. that it had an anime <laughs> vibe to it i just felt like no. we were coming in in the middle of a story exactly yeah, like, but a lot of anime does start that way. It's kind of like you figure yeah, it out as I you just, go. I, <sighs> Though, th- those Trinity corpses look like they're wearing full metal <sighs> alchemist uniforms. They look like they're almost wearing like the masks of the Jackal from Spider-Man. Yes. No, yeah. Those are, uh, or well, I was... That's, well, those are for I was the, thinking Wick Div, too. The rulers. But I was talking about the, the corpses. They're wearing like the little <laughs> butt capes like the you know Roy Mustang wears the as butt a, an alchemist. And I have that costume. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I'm like, butt capes? And the butt caves are very... Uh, they're very I was also getting a little bit of the, the Wick Div helmet stuff, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I, it, it it seems like all of these things, like, thrown into one, and you're just supposed to figure it out. And I, I'm not a choose-your-own-adventure at this point. Like, please give me some background. It's 
it's this guy. We, it's a guy. He's like sort of like a cop. They have sort of like a minority report matrix ghost in the machine kind of like cop unit that he's working for. There's these like gods that are kind of seem to be in charge of this. And there's the reason I got the matrix thing is where they kind of go into like, they go into the matrix essentially. And they see like these things. I almost feel like we were making a joke about bad computer hacking, but how you have to like fight the cyber dragon, I think an episode or two ago. And that's exactly what fucking happens here. Yeah. You just need one keyboard with two people typing on it to really drive pretty much the shittiness of this cyber reality. There was there was not anything that I I really liked about this. Like he's kind of an asshole. Like you can tell he's kind of an asshole to this chick. You know, like uh, uh. I feel like this yeah. needs like one less scene where nothing happens and a lot more explanation. Yes, it could be good because a- it's it's beautiful and the world is vaguely interesting but so poorly defined, and the characters have such weakly drawn motivations. Ugh, it's a mess. There was a lot of like dark dark brooding. That didn't make sense. So from my years of watching old school classic animes where they've taken a long running series and put it into one film, i.e. like Akira, Ghost in the Shell or um, Battle Angel Alita. Um, that's what this is like, where the worlds are really in depth and expansive in those in the books for the manga. But in the movies, they don't necessarily yeah, I think explain Akira, everything. You- that's what. This feels Akira, like you can into. understand though. Oh, but there's so much. Yeah, more but it's right, but you, you don't. You're not it. It's wrapped up with it. No, it's wrapped in a nice little bow for you still, so you understand everything. It's delivered better. I mean, that's true for every movie that's ever been made. That the book will always have more to it. But yes. the difference with like Akira, as an example, is that's a coherent piece of work. Yeah, this is not. Well, I think from my point of view, from reading them, I think it. I thought it was more confusing. Until I read the books, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I see and what's I, going on now." And I liked myself so some confusing. the e- The East of West is very fucking confusing. That's also a way you can tell if something is good or not. Is yeah. when it's confusing and the world is being revealed in pieces. Do you want to know more? Is what yes. you're getting good enough to keep you searching for those pieces and figuring out the clues and going back and looking at panels and all of that? That's what happens in East of West or Wicked and Divine. Those kind yes. of books. In this. I just, the lo- the only panel I wanted to look at was the last panel. That was a good panel. Which is a fucking awesome panel, but I was just glad it was yeah. over. Okay, well, I disagree. I, and I figured no, I changed my opinion. go for it. I actually <laughs> really liked it. I, I found it was interesting. It really it appealed to my anime interest. I felt like the panels were laid out in a cinematic way where I could definitely see this being filmed or animated. Um, there was some drawbacks in yeah the storyline you you are trying to play catch up but i definitely was intrigued on their world building and like what their sci-fi universe entailed and um also for me extra points i've always wanted to write a story with a character named seneca and so the fact that the main character is going by seneca i'm like first i was like son of a bitch and two i'm like well i really like that name so let's go with it um I just like that the character's not super likable right away. Like you said, yeah. he is kind of a jerk. And I'm curious about the weird kind of hierarchy system where, you know, there's these they're gods with the mask. I think they, they're, yeah, they're really gods. clearly trying to recruit Seneca as a new one. Yeah. Yes. This is, that's what yeah, I thought he, too, which I'm like, He even cool, says that he's like way that. above his status doing this. Like this is not, he should not be with them. Right. So I found it interesting. I can see why other people wouldn't like it, but the things that I like out of stories that I've read that are similar to this, that, that you said are like derivatives of, I'm 
I like seeing them used in that way. But I could see how other people wouldn't, but I personally found it at least intriguing. I don't think this is a great book yet, but it's definitely caught my interest just to want to It look sounds like the way that goes. I feel about Ragman is kind of how you feel about God Complex. <laughs> that we, uh, we, I understand yes. Ragman and you yes. understand anime more, so our enjoyment of them is enhanced. Yes, it probably... it it. There are certain things that we read that are, you can always say, it's not meant for me. And I'm totally cool with saying that. It's, this is not meant for me. I thought it was going to be. I was sold by a pretty cover. <laughs> but it obviously was not meant for me. Damn those and covers. And that's fine. Yeah. But there are definitely people I could see, and coming from what Chris is saying, I could definitely see if you're an anime person, you would probably like this. Because you're used to that, how that storyline unfolds. Whereas sometimes you want you want a little bit more, and it's it's not happening. I think so. you have a wide variety of sci-fi, futuristic, dystopian, anime-based books to choose from now. I don't know if you need to pick this one. I would say if you like that genre, maybe figure out which one of those you want to read. This may or may not be the one for you. And I also would like to say I don't think Ryan is the person to give advice on anime things. So I'm just saying you might want to give it a go. It's an interesting American take on that kind of genre. It definitely with that Matrix, American Matrix thrown in. It, it's interesting. I don't know if it's great yet, but it's definitely so it's very pretty. Intriguing. Listeners, as if you read God Complex, why don't you tell us what you think of it? Because it seems like we have a we're, we're, split here. Yeah. Big... I'm going to be Switzerland. <laughs> Chocolate. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's rate this uh, thing. I want to give it two and a quarter side boob. I'm going to give it three and a third. It always comes in threes. Ah. See what I did there? So oh. <laughs> I think the writing is a one star effort. But I think the art. Oh, wait, you get another chance to bash it after we read yeah. it. <laughs> He's got. A I'm explaining my rating. rating. It's a. I'm an accountant. I have to explain the formula that I'm using. So what I was saying was, I think the writing for this is pretty much a one-star effort. It's incomprehensible and uninteresting. But the art is pretty damn good. The art looks really good. looks a little computer-generated, but I still think that that is like a four-star. So I think when you combine those two together, you're going to end up around two stars. And that's what I'm going to give it. I will give it two Matrixy robots. Oh, you know what? He also kind of looks like Spike from Cowboy Bebop. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Throwing that in there now. I think he looks more like Roy Mustang. There's yeah. a scene where his hair's all fucked up in the bed. He reminds me of Spike from that. Yeah. So, Christina, what are we reading next week? All right. Books for the next week. We got Doctor Strange number 26 in Vincent Ironman 593. The Incredible Hulk 709. The Mighty Thor 700. Luke Cage, 166, Batman, number 33, All New Guardians of the Galaxy, number 12, Animosity the Evolution, number 1. So, that was the world of comics for this week. You can find all kinds of nerd shenanigans, including our other podcasts on original streaming media, Cut the Cord, at fourcolornerds.com, or on our Facebook page. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram, or on iTunes and Google Play Music. On Stitcher. On SoundCloud. And on Podcast Addict. Be sure to rate review and subscribe and be sure to come back next week for another episode until then keep reading nerds